Yeah, it seems like a James Bond location, doesn't it? Montevideo? Montevideo, yeah. There you go. It just seems seems like that's where James Bond would be. I'm sure he's been there. Mm, that, video that sounds familiar. Video Mountain, that's what that would mean. <laughs> 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 All right, let's do it. Do what? <laughs> this. Okay. What we're about to do. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 37 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. 37 episodes in, still a thing. Uh, I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. Yeah. Yeah, you are. And you've got to live with that. Still. Uh, And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to talk about the best ink for celluloid pens, best sealing caps, whatever happened to inknouveau.com, if freezing ink will help it to last longer, and we're going to highlight the Platinum Procyon. We've got a tip about using shimmer ink, and all kinds of other nonsense. As you know, if you've watched this before, there's gonna be a lot of other stuff besides just that in here. So without further ado, let's get started and get into some feedback. All right, do you remember last week, Brian, when you said something, I was talking about how I was building terrariums and you said, oh, joshesfrogs.com. It's good to know that the that fountain pens are not the most random <laughs> rabbit hole most, website. It, it comforts well, me to know there's other obscure hobby websites out there. Yeah. Not, not only is it out there, but we had several people who listened to this pencast, watch this pencast, that have been previous and are current supporters of Josh's Frogs. So we had you know, a bunch of people like, oh yeah, I love Josh's Frogs. <laughs> that's really cool, but also like not not super surprising given how much we've talked about like serial hobbyists and how we yeah. all kind of get drawn to fountain pens. I'm like, yeah, okay. We could probably mention almost any random, well, especially like that website that's been around for a long time. I, I went and researched it after the fact and I was like, oh, they've been doing this since like 2000 five or something like they've been doing that their thing longer than we've been doing the fountain pen thing i'm like okay shout out to josh and his frogs yeah Yeah, josh my favorite one was from tara she says Mm. that she had bought a pair of okay so she was a she was um a teacher first grade teacher right so she wanted her kids wanted a class pet so bad but she didn't want anything high maintenance so she went to josh's frogs and bought a pair of let's see madagascar hissing cockroaches and uh, she did not read the product description on Josh's Frogs and did not realize she was getting a male and a female Madagascar hissing cockroach. Oh, I see where and this is going. Yes, yes. <laughs> she, she ended up with more than two cockroaches, she, didn't she? That is correct. She certainly did. <laughs> wow. So um, that was that was a little Tara's more education for the kids than you probably adventure. intended there. Yes. Wow. So um, yeah, they had to, the, quite a few <laughs> hissing cockroaches. So that was that was a little interesting story from Josh's so, frogs there. I, I, sorry, I'm my retailer brain is thinking about that. I'm like, they got to ship live cockroaches? Like what? Well, I what do you even how? I can't even conceive of like what that entails. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I'm these sure things that... are. Oh, I just I was like I have to look at one of these things. These things are massive. They're like four inches long. Oh my god. It's like half the size of your hand. Jeez. Sorry, Tara. Oh my gosh. Like, 
That would freak some kids out. <laughs> that That's just a really funny story. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Um, so we also covered ink burping in the last episode, and our good friend Alan shed some light on this for us. Alan um, is a uh, one of the noble few who own mm. a Namiki emperor, um, and I believe more than one. So he is no stranger to gigantic feeds on his fountain pens, and he used that knowledge and experience to provide us with this insight, saying... One extra factor in burping, the design of the feed. We didn't talk about this, Brian. The exposed fins on the feed will capture extra ink if it is pushed out of the body. Mm. That's why they are there. When I look at the feed on a Visconti Opera Master or Conid while using it, I notice that more often than a few of the spaces between the fins will become filled with ink and gradually empty as I write, but no blots come out on the paper. The Namiki Emperor has a gigantic capacity, but also has an enormous feed, the mm-hmm. Namiki Emperor being an eyedropper pen, which we talked yeah. about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also has an enormous feed that can buffer ink. When mm-hmm. a pen is converted to an eyedropper that doesn't have a feed really designed for it, there may not be enough capacity in the feed to even out ink delivery. This is especially true with pens with small nibs and thus small feeds. That is that makes a lot of sense because hmm. in my experience, the only eyedropper pen that I've ever really been challenged with burping was a Caveco Sport that I eyedroppered. Yeah, small that's tiny, small tiny nibs, small feed, feed big, yeah. big capacity. So Alan's point is uh, true hmm. on that. Um, even something like the Platinum Property preppy which has plenty of fins on the inside of the body to act as an ink collector but very few for buffering in general Mm. i think the feed is the most underrated part of a pen and i think part of pelican's success is that they have excellent feeds Mm. thank you alan i loved that that was a lot of uh, knowledge dropped and i never thought of the exterior fins on a feed acting as a buffer so if burping did occur it basically doesn't become a burp Uh, Because the feed collects it. It's just reflux. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Your pen gets acid reflux from eyedropper conversions. But 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 you're you're able to, uh, you know, get it back down. Kind of hold it it in, contain it all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I imagine, well, it's interesting too. So, I mean, Alan brought up the, the external fins. But we've talked before about how you can't always tell what's going on with those feeds just by what's happening on the outside. A lot of times those fins are on the inside. I'm thinking actually specifically of the Emperor. It doesn't really have a lot of external fins like a like a Pelican feed would, right? Like yeah, those, the, the Emperor has the a... feeds... No, the Emperor is like really smooth. Right, but it's, it's got smooth, a huge... but, it, but, it, but it has, you can still, it's like smooth and it's smooth, but you can still see Well, it's a got bunch like of... big, like kind of chunked out notches. Yeah. But the, if you pull the feed out from inside the pen, you've got huge number of fins on the inside there so it's actually i don't know whether outside inside whether that actually matters but i think the the fundamentals of what alan's talking about here is right that having the having fins for your feed um it it that's exactly what it does it's a buffer and it protects in both ways it'll hold extra ink for when you're writing faster or with heavier pressure and it's causing more demand than the feed channel alone would be able to provide if it had to drag it all the way from the ink chamber but like he says, it can also act as a buffer if you get some of that reflux in there and uh, you got too much ink kind of coming down. So, yeah, I just don't know. You know, that would I, be I a, will also agree with Alan in saying that the feed is most likely the most underrated part of a fountain pen. I mean, it's definitely like the, yeah, it's like the, it's like the, the IT department 
yeah. of, the, of the pen. Like it, it is crucial. It's like where the most stuff has to work right, but mm-hmm. nobody really wants to think about it very much. Exactly. And I don't think that the companies that are very, very intentional with their feed design get enough credit for going mm-hmm. above and beyond and designing very intentional feeds because mm. you could make a you could make a good case that designing a perfect feed is harder than designing a perfect nib. Yeah. You could make so, a case for that. We are uh, going to be talking about feeds a little bit more today. Hey, so uh, thank you Hold for dro- dropping your... the wisdom bomb on us, Alan. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. And I also wanted to thank everybody for their <clears throat> Ferris Wheel Press ink recommendations. I wrote all of those down. We are mm. taking that to heart, soul, and mind. We appreciate your insight. We got a lot of great requests, um, some duplicates. So uh, if we heard more than one recommendation... Um, if we do end up proceeding, things are looking pretty good, but if we do end up proceeding, we will take that into account. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Uh, I got some feedback as well here from Mark says, I started writing with a fountain pen in 1988 at the age of 18 as a college freshman. If you told me that I would be listening to two guys talk for 90 plus minutes <laughs> once a week about fountain pens when I was 51, I would have thought you were out of your mind. That said, I look forward to the pencast each week, and I'm currently binging the first 30 episodes to catch up. Keep up the great work. You are wow. going to hate us by the time you reach 30. Uh, I mean, if you make the decision to go back and listen from the beginning, I think you're going to like it. I think you know what, you, yeah, you, you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. I, I've done that with TV shows before. Where I'm like, ooh, a new season's coming out. Let me watch like the entire run so I can get ready. Mm-hmm. Oh, sometimes by the time I'm like ready... I'm done. You're like, I'm like done you know what? I can, like, eh. I can wait. I can wait. I don't need to yeah. watch a new season right now. With me, with like TV shows is different to me though, because that's like more or less a continuous story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the whole thing. But like, there's nothing continuous. I mean, we we'll allude to nonsense from the past, but we're not really like planning and setting things up from one episode to another. So you can pretty much pop in and listen to any given episode that you want. But uh, I don't know, when I do podcasts, if I stumble across a podcast and I really like it, I'll go back and I'll listen from the very beginning. You know what, like, I that's have how done I, that. That's how I roll too. Yeah, I have done so, that. I'm right there with you, Mark. Good to have you here. Thank you. Um, now, what I don't know is, if, is Mark listening to the current episodes and then just kind of catching up by listening to the old ones? Or is he like going back to the old ones and is not going to listen to the current ones until he gets to mm. them in order because that's Mm. you know i could see going that way too Mm. well either way it's it's only 37 episodes so well you said you had the first 30 so i don't know i don't know what you're doing mark but whatever by the time you get to this thank you um got another one from steve says first thank you for doing what you do i know you've heard it before but this has truly been a gift and a blessing during this past year some tough family and personal stuff to deal with and spending Saturday mornings with the two of you has been a much-needed escape. I'm sure at times it feels like a silly way to spend your two-plus hours. You have got that right. Uh, but I think of it this way. You spend a few hours doing it, but it ends up having thousands of hours of impact for people. Pretty cool investment. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, for me, it's less like, oh, it takes me two hours. It's more like we, we are potentially wasting thousands of people's hours of time if we don't provide some value here so it's like if we're going to do it we we better bring it that's kind of I'm, I'm more like honoring the time that people are spending but if it's nonsense then people wouldn't watch us or listen to us and 
then no one would do it and we'd lose motivation and we'd stop it. So I guess we're still doing it. So we're doing something right. We love spending Saturday mornings with you. Um, Absolutely. Steve, what I want you to do is next time you spend a Saturday morning with us, get yourself some donuts, you know, one Mm. for you, one for me, one from Brian, set them out on some plates while you listen. And then after the pencast is over, you eat all three donuts because you deserve it. Three donuts? You enjoy those. Like in one sitting? Yeah. That's that's legit. Steve needs it. He deserves it. He's earned those donuts this year. Okay. You enjoy. I actually have some personal things to talk about with donuts that I forgot about that I need to add <laughs> okay. into my notes here. There we go. Because three, <laughs> three hours from now when we get towards the end of this and we're talking oh, about God, our personal no. stuff, I have to oh, remember God, no. Um. Okay. Um. Anyway, thank okay. you, Steve. We appreciate it. While Brian, yep, comes Kill up time. with this personal okay. donut story he has, he I do have a donut story. It's a good one too. All right. Well, um, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for Brian's donut right. story. You don't need to stay tuned. I don't know. We have other <laughs> things to talk about. Uh, Diana, Diana said in response to Brian's ladybug. My ladybug adventures. They're still mm. coming. They're still coming. There were a goodness. lot of people that said, like, they timestamped oh it. 1055, ladybug alert. They oh found it. Oh, my gosh. They're freaking everywhere. I'm looking at it. I can see at least five of them right now. You're not alone. The we they're had a Asian, couple commenters saying that they're Asian, going through the same thing at their house. Yeah, Asian lady beetles technically is yep. what they are. Anyway, uh, wa- Diana said, watch the pen cast at my parents' house, and my dad just stood up and checked if the bug was on your screen or, or our screen or your wall. So I guess he couldn't tell whether it was real or in the video. Just speaks to the video quality. Ha ha. Well, that's cool. Nice. <laughs> uh, maybe if I had some kind of background too, it would distract you a little bit from any bugs that I have crawling around. I swear I live in a not unkempt household it just has lots of ladybugs and socks everywhere but and puzzles left all over the place actually it is kind of a mess it is a bit unkempt what can i say i'm trying to hide it but i can't really uh patrick (laughs) to finish it off patrick says as a fellow entp that's a myers-briggs profile that's what mine is if you care uh as a fellow entp prone to deep diving too hard and non-committal stances just ask my students Drew is exactly right about the possibility of hot ones to cause brevity and decisiveness. Sorry, Brian, I don't wish it on you, but it would make for great YouTube. Brian. Yeah. So not to jump the gun on this, but, you know, we have some updated, you know, masking policy stuff because our our levels have dropped here in Virginia and we, we made the change last week. So now... Um, Drew and I have the the potential, the option to shoot stuff in person together again. And uh, now I'm regretting that because I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do a Hot Ones with you whenever we can, you know, unmask again. And now it's like, oh, crap, now I have to actually, like, consider this. No, I would totally do it. That would be a miserable experience. But it would be like when we ate the good and plenties for everybody. I would not enjoy the process, but I would enjoy the, the, that, the value, the joy that I know it would bring our viewing audience and uh, servant of the people happy to do it you know in the future when the time comes so we'll we'll think about it we'll think about how we're going to do it right but i could see that in our future all right so that's all we got for feedback this week now we're going to talk about some new stuff all right so the newest new thing that i'm going to gloss over because it's going to come and go very quickly for once we're actually talking about something before it launches and we're not just saying hey we launched this and you know between the recording and the publishing of this video it's now gone and you can't have it um you actually have a chance if you're watching this 
before March 15th at 1 p.m. 2022 Eastern U.S. time. Uh, we are going to be launching our next Franklin Kristoff pen. We get like one pen a year to do with them. And this is the one. They're limited. That's all we get. Uh, so the pen's called Delphinus. And uh, it's an ugly pen. You shouldn't buy it. Just don't want it. Just that's going to be the easiest thing is just don't, don't want the pen. Terrible pen. And just pretend like it doesn't exist. But whatever. If you do want it, you can wrangle yourself there at 1 p.m. and try to get one. Uh, but there you go. I'm trying to anti-hype it so that uh, people don't actually want it. But just trying to get the word out there for those that know that they want it. Same model that we've done, the number, thir number 31. And uh, yeah, that's the thing. Just new color called Delphinus. Go get it. Or don't because it's, uh, it's ugly. <laughs> uh, next thing, we have some, some beautiful pens here called the Tachia Dancing Lights. So these are a Goulet exclusive. These are ebonite pens with Urushi lacquer. Did I say that right, Drew? Urushi? Yes. Yeah. No why. No why. What do you mean no like, why? Not 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 you, Rushi. You you Rushi. No lacquer no no Rushi. With whatever. Lacquer. Um and Rodden. So these are inspired by the Polar Lights collection. So if you are familiar with Tatcha's Polar Lights collection, it's kind of a continuation of that. There are gonna be three different colors. There's gonna be Garnet Glow, which is a like maroon red color, sapphire glimmer, which is a blue color, and sparkling emerald, which is a green green color. Uh, look really nice, like an ombre kind of color effect. Oh, it looks so good. And then you get the rodden in there. Mm, really, really sharp looking pens. These are 14 karat Sailor nibs, or Tachia nibs made by Sailor um, that are gonna be on these things, so nibs perform well. Um, you know, pens are $1,495, so they are an investment, but you know, very fairly priced for pens of this caliber, and they look freaking awesome. Just some of these Tachi pens that be coming out are just oh, mm, all the rotten. I want all the rotten. Uh, so we've got those coming out. I don't know. I know we're gonna have them up on the website by the time this publishes on Friday. I don't know if we'll have actually launched them yet. I think we have some dependencies on that, not 100% sure. So we'll either have it, you know up if it's up on the website and it's not already for sale just know that it's coming very very soon yeah we're, we're targeting next week if all goes okay. well if all goes well okay so it's coming very 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 soon um and then you know while we're talking about some of these yuji pens the tachias i wanted to have a little reminder in there we also have the tachia miyabi kaga pens these are five different yurushi pens with different uh different techniques different yurushi techniques they look really good. They're inspired by the different seasons of the year. We actually had them last year and, you know, we have more of them. We never know really like how many we're going to get or not get or whatever. But these ones, we have been able to stock a little better than most. So um, these ones are a little less expensive too at $12.76. So while you're looking at the Urushi pens, thought I'd throw that one in there. Uh, same kind of deal. Made Nibs made by Sailor. Um, really interesting if you're if you're not into you know just the other techniques besides just the you know glossy lacquer maybe with some rodden in it kind of thing there's some really interesting ones going on with the miyabi kagas so i recommend you click around and check those out because they look pretty darn cool so yeah there are actually a lot of uh textures in these mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and so some of those textures it's like hit or miss because you don't see them available very often. So people often don't know what they are, but those that do, they're like hardcore about them. So anyway, go check those out when you get a chance. And that's what I got. What about you, Drew? 
you know no official new products but this is half new products half feedback because there were a lot of you who latched on to the quote that uh, we come up with when we were talking about preferred nib sizes Brian mm-hmm. and I more or less settle on the fact that we can use just about any nib and be happy with it for the most part. And I yeah. you know, offhandedly referred to him as a nib chameleon, meaning, you know, you can kind of shift between nib sizes pretty easily. And uh, the nib chameleon comment got a lot of attention. And there was, a, I consider, overwhelming demand for a sticker. And, uh, you know, who am I to deny the people their requests? So stay tuned. This is why I'm glad Drew is like reading your comments and stuff too, because like, I don't know, I just, it was such a throwaway kind of comment. I mean, we say so many words in these dang podcasts. We do. Most of the time, we don't even remember what we've talked about. And as soon as Drew was like, oh yeah, the nib chameleon thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't even remember, I don't even remember talking about that. And yeah, so I'm glad y'all latched onto it, brought it back up. (laughs) I like it. It's like, if, if you're, if you are a person who you know cares more about the pen and can adapt to the size that it just happens to be then you're a nib chameleon i don't know what the opposite would be but anyway i don't know what is the pretty soon you will have a sticker to represent your versatility what's the opposite of a chameleon anything that's not a chameleon like yeah there are i don't know they there's some octopuses that like can change color too right i don't know yeah (laughs) it's a pretty elite group of animals that can blend into their surroundings like that but yeah anyway all right cool well thank you all and we're going to move on to some q a questions i don't know why i just thanked everybody that's the (laughs) way that my brain was like we're ending this segment now thank everyone thank you thank you for listening to the products that we're talking about what am i talking about thank you for the nib chameleon i don't know what i'm talking about anyway um, Drew, you got the first question here. I do. Um, I get to ask you this question, mm. Brian. But mm-hmm. um, once mm-hmm. again, you've you've pulled a Brian, <laughs> and that that's that's all I'm going to say on that. And you pulled um, a Drew. You pulled a Drew. You pulled an innocuous question that throws me down a cliff. Oh my god. Okay, so we can really <laughs> blame uh, Miguel on this one because Miguel asks uh, safe ink brands for Visconti pens. I hear inks like Itoshizuku can damage celluloid pens. So Miguel wants to know Mm. some uh, safe ink brands for Visconti and or celluloid pens. And Mm. um, while if it were up to me, I would say to Miguel, you know, use just about anything. Just don't make it a habit of like touching the ink to the celluloid. You know, you can get your, you can pretty much write without doing that. And if you do, just wipe it off really quick and you should be good. Uh, However... Brian's going to answer this question. Yeah, there's a bit to unpack. So, so <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, I did the, I did the classic thing, which is like, oh, okay, Drew placed this question in here. If I just read it at face value, it's a pretty simple answer. But I'm, um, you know, I'm actually kind of curious about this one aspect a little bit more. And I start pulling the thread on the sweater, and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's this whole debate out there in the pen world about, well, this is what everybody swears by, but. Where's the evidence to really show that? And oh there's God. other people that believe something differently, and there's debate about that. So I don't know. Um, so, well, first, a couple things I want to say to clarify. First off, you know, whenever you say things like safe ink, damage pens, these are so broad. Like, it's such a just open ended questions. The thing I'll say, having been in this business for over 12 years now, we, very rarely see 
ink that damages pens. I'm not going to say it can't happen, but it's not like they're selling super glue. And if you put it in your pen, it's going to immediately be destroyed. I mean, yes, some inks are higher maintenance than others. Some will clog more. Some of them, you know, some pens are a little harder to clean or some vintage ones will have certain materials that, you know, might stain a little bit more with a certain dye that's used in an ink. And there's a pH factor and all this. So there's a lot of complexity to some of these that when getting discussed, especially in online settings, all end up getting lumped together into, is this safe? Will this destroy Blah, blah, blah. If we had an ink that we sold that was literally destroying pens... We wouldn't sell our, it. <laughs> our custom, no, we wouldn't. Our customer care team would be bringing it up in meetings, be like, yeah. guys, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're getting so many complaints about this. I don't yeah. have the time to be doing that. We would stop. Yeah. So like, Definitely. The blanket easy answer is use any ink that's made for fountain pens. Like, Just don't use an ink that's not made to be using it. Like, don't use a shellac-based ink. Don't use you know, an acrylic ink that's made for dip pens. Don't use whiteout. Don't use something crazy i mean literally uh, gl- was, glow, glow stick fluid yeah don't use we, glow stick fluid will destroy your pen that, that'll we, make your we, pen explode we did that and we know it'll destroy it um so yeah as long as you're using ink that's made for fountain pens you're probably gonna be fine it's not gonna destroy anything but um there's a little bit to get into here first off you mentioned you know ink brands for visconti pens visconti is not making their pens out of anything explicitly unique from other pen companies i mean yeah like certain models might have unique characteristics but it's you 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 shouldn't just blanket say what one ink brand should be used with one total pen brand there's so many varieties within each of these things this is not the way to think about it so visconti has made pens out of celluloid so it's really more about celluloid than it is about Visconti because the celluloid that Visconti uses would be the same type of celluloid that any other pen company could theoretically use, right? So it's really not about Visconti or whatever. It's about the ink with the material of the pen. That said, when you're talking about celluloid, are you talking like true celluloid or these like celluloid blends, right? Because there have been a number of things like Aurora-Lloyd and Montegrappa bite and you know these other like Visconti's made ones that are uh what do they call them i I forget but there's some kind of like cellulosic type thing so really ideally we would know exactly what pen you're talking about the exact material that you're talking about because even celluloid as a category of material could be like three or four or five different actual like chemical composition materials so it is hard it's basically impossible for me to answer your question because I don't have enough details to know exactly what we're talking about. So anyway, I have to like over-educate because each aspect of the question you're asking has to be dissected a bit to tell you that I can't give you an answer, but I'm going to talk about it a lot anyway. Um, so if you're talking about like true celluloid, which Visconti's done some true celluloids, not so much these days because almost nobody is making it anymore because it's so difficult to make. And, uh, but there are some still, still kind of around. I used, um, uh, I have a Davina in desert spring celluloid that I used for years. Um, yeah. that was like one of my go-to pens. That was a, a that's a true, that's one. a true cell, the nitrocellulose, yeah. nitro right? I never paid attention to what kind of ink I was using in that thing. And that one, like the, the grip is celluloid too, right? Like you're yep. dipping that in the ink and like you're exposing that to ink. Mm-hmm. The, the, the bottom line of it is you, you know, you have to get specific, to the ink composition and the 
pen material to really give a firm answer. The unfortunate thing about most of this is we don't know enough about any of the ink to know on some of these very kind of fringe case materials and specialty things to say definitively what will or won't work, especially when you go lumping an entire brand into the mix because you even look at like an individual ink brand, it comes down to the dye components, it comes down to all these other things that we just don't know what's in them to say like when perhaps there could be some kind of reaction or stain or something like that. But it's not like if you put whatever, a, a pilot ink in your Visconti pen, oh, it's over, like forget it, you're done. That's not the case. Um, so I dug into it a little bit, right? So the nitrocellulose, that material, the true celluloid, old school celluloid, you don't see that very much these days, but some are around really, especially in limited editions. Um, really at the end of the day, you, your, your pen material is not coming into prolonged contact with your ink uh, in most cases. The only time that that might be the case is if you have a pen cap where there's not any type of like inner seal in the cap and maybe the, the nib and the ink and stuff that's kind of in the cap could be directly exposed to the inside of the cap material. And maybe there could be some kind of reaction over time. Um, I wasn't able to find anything super definitive uh, in my research or, or from anybody that I've heard from using these pens uh, out of the celluloid that told me what you should be looking out for or what problems you might have. I just found some very, very general things of like, for the long term, it could, you know, not be the best for your pen or whatever. My assumption is that you're probably gonna be dealing with staining because celluloid is made from cellulose, a natural material. And uh, it's, a, it's basically a derivative from cellulose fibers, often from uh, like wood pulp or cotton pulp or something like that. Um, and so, you know, potentially there could be some staining things. I know that material itself, the true celluloids, they are more prone to warping and damage through exposure to sunlight and some other things. Because again, it's a naturally derived material. Um, so it's more prone to, you know, damage and long-term effects with any type of exposure to any elements of any kind, air, yeah. water, sun, all those things. So yeah, you've seen those vintage pens yeah. that were like that normally are bright green, and then yeah. um, after time they turn a little bit of a brownish green. But then if you yeah. uncap them, the part that was hidden from the cap is still a bright green. So even air and just yeah, the elements can do it. And and what happens online too is sometimes you get people that are like, oh well, I've only used this ink in this pen, and look, it's changed color. And it's like, yes, there is a correlation that your, your, your pen changed color or your pen did something and you had that ink in it, but it could be because of a factor that they didn't mention or weren't even aware of themselves. Like maybe they stored it inside a pen case that was off gassing that had something that did, you know, so it's like, there are so many factors that it actually makes it kind of impossible for us to say definitively what kind of impact there is. But anyway, um, I did some research. I looked, I found some articles on like fountain pen networks and some old like FP geeks, you know, forum stuff. Um, some of them pointed to Richard Binder's site, which has pretty good, the best kind of treasure trove of information I was able to find around some of this, no direct bullseyes, but I found some interesting enough site stuff that I wanted to at least kind of point you to it. The, the thing that I was able to maybe surmise a little bit is that some of the reaction to cellulosic material could be due to 
the pH level of the ink. I don't know exactly why. Maybe there's some chemists out there that can dig into this a little bit more. Um, and, uh, you know, especially inks with a very high pH. For whatever reason, maybe have some kind of reaction with celluloid. So, and again, this is where I was like, I was hearing about most of, most of what I found with inks having problems in pens was dealing with like old like ink sacks and like breaking down the sacks and shellac and these types of things. It wasn't anything directly related to celluloid, which is where I just didn't have a great answer for you. But um, pH came up a lot in ink. Also, people were talking about certain dye colors, dye components and things like that. Um, you know, even just like certain ink colors have like a the dye has like a copper base to it and that can react with certain types of latex sacks like all this and i'm just like man there's like so much more to other stuff that any of us know and understand um the um and and there's stuff that gets thrown around about ph and the thing about Hiroshizuku, right like that's where i was trying to get to is like i've never really heard of Hiroshizuku causing problems with pens like it's one of the most popular inks out there. There are a number of colors. People use them there. We really don't hear of a lot of problems. No, with and inks. if and if it was a pervasive issue, you can bet your butt that we would have heard about it yeah, by now. But, like in the you know, years we've been selling it, man, I cannot even wrap my head around how many bottles have left yeah, our door yeah. in ten years. And and I have heard, you know, just like everybody else online, I've heard rumbles and, and there are some you know, uh, pen restorers and repair people that talk about like high saturated inks being troublesome or, you know, so the pH level of certain inks or, um, you know, certain brands that they see that are more troublesome. Noodler's private reserve come up a bit, though the private reserve ones come up like old private reserve. A lot's happened with that brand over the years, even recently. So I don't even know where that necessarily stands um and then arushizuku was kind of getting thrown in there a little bit more so with like how it might react to certain pen sacks with like sack fillers lever fillers these types of things yeah. i did not see anything directly about arushizuku with celluloid so I, I just was not able to find anything online never really heard about it so miguel i wouldn't sweat it too much um you know we'll try to dig more and find out but i wasn't able to find basically anything uh in the places that i know to look um that said, uh, what did come up in my searching, um, which is where Hiroshizuku was getting lumped in with Noodlers in Private Reserve around reacting in like vintage pens with the sacks, um, was talking about the pH level and how Hiroshizuku inks are, are generally more basic, not acidic. Um, a lot of fountain pen inks are actually quite acidic um, in like the two and three and four you know ph level range which is really dang acidic surprisingly acidic um, but there are some that are more basic um and so i thought that was kind of interesting uh i don't really know as much about the ph and um richard Binner's site he does talk a little bit about that he's got 50 or 60 ink colors somewhere in that range that have been ph tested um, by somebody who wanted to remain anonymous but they're i'm assuming some kind of scientific person because they used like you know, the tough thing about testing pH, normally if you're like testing the pH level in your pool or something like that, you have those like paper strips or whatever and you test the pH. Well, the problem is if you're trying to test ink, the the paper strip that you would use to dip in there would get colored by the dye and then you wouldn't be able to read what the pH level is. So you basically need to get like a digital, you know, uh, pH level meter thing, which are pretty expensive. And then you have to be calibrated properly. And apparently the pH level has to, 
it's dependent on what temperature it's at and all these other things. So it's like, okay, this is, it's not like, I mean, otherwise I would just like buy one of these things and just test all the pH of all the inks we have. And then it's like, okay, we have some answers. But the problem but, is, it's but just, even then, it's that that's still only one variable. What does that even mean? Yeah, right. I mean, what and does that, that mean? that's been discussed a lot. Is what does pH yeah. level mean in terms of the ink and its relationship to the fountain pen writing experience? Yeah, I'm. Sh- it it has some impact, I'm sure, but there are too many variables to isolate how it yeah. might be affecting anything and, be it and, on the paper or on the pen. And when you have a range of acidity and base of these inks that can range from like two and a half to 11 and a half. It's like, what does that mean? You know? So it is kind of tough. I don't, I don't hundred percent know. I wish I, I wish I knew more there. I know enough to know that I don't know enough basically. Um, but anyway, what I, what I was sort of able to conclude if anything. So it's kind of talked about generally speaking, and I've observed this a little bit for myself. Some colors tend to stain maybe a little bit more than others, certain dye components, especially like reds and blues, purples, like magentas, those kind of things. I think it's more like the red dyes, some of the blue dyes, those tend to be the colors that will linger. You know, even if you have something like a purple, it'll either be like a stronger red or blue tint that will actually stain. I don't know. This is not just specific to celluloid. This could be a bunch of different materials, but again, not all pens, not all inks, not all inks of that color. I have no idea. There's probably just multitude of factors and I can't say anything definitive. Um, I've read speculation and conclusions drawn from seemingly anecdotal evidence for years on pen forums based on things like pH level, high saturation, whatever that means, pigmentation, um, they all kind of get questioned when there are pen troubles that uh, get noticed. And in truth, it's probably some combination all amongst all of these with other unknowable <laughs> factors that could be, oh, you okay there, Drew? <laughs> My tea went down the wrong, <coughs> wrong, Drew, wrong. Drew a spit take almost. <laughs> it went down the air channel instead of the ink channel. <clears throat> yes, there you go. Um, so yeah, in, in truth, if Drew makes it through this question. Mm. Uh, in truth, there's probably just a lot of different factors, kind of too many to know. So know, learn what you can, know what you can, and use the ink that you're comfortable with. Um, if you want to play it as safe as possible with your like celluloid pens or anything that is, you know, of particular importance or concern or whatever, um, get a lesser saturated ink, whatever you feel that means, um, with, you know, as little complexity as possible. So no permanence, no pigment or shimmer or anything like that. Just get as simple as possible. Try to go with something that's, you know, maybe advertised as pH neutral. If you happen to be able to do that, a bunch of the standard noodlers inks are pH neutral, but then noodlers also gets talked about being, you know, one of the ones you should stay away from when that's difficult because they've a huge range of ink properties within that brand. Anyway, um, and doesn't have any red or blue in it. So maybe like a green or black or something. I don't know. Green has blue in it, so I don't really know. But ultimately, it's it's kind of moot since unless you're going to be soaking your celluloid pen in ink, you probably don't have to worry about it. Just wipe it off and use your pen and clean it with, you know, regularity and you'll probably be pretty okay. So, so basically what Drew said at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much what Drew said. But there's just to show you, if you want to pull the thread on the sweater, you can really nerd out and go deep into the land of chemistry and try and figure this stuff out. But I can say after having done this for a long time, I wasn't 
great in chemistry. Like, I, you know, it wasn't terrible. I mostly got it. But, you know, I reach a point where I'm like, okay, this is out of my depth. Um, uh, but knowing what I know about, like, pen stuff, the difficult thing about trying to have, like, definitive conclusions about these types of things is, number one, is we just don't know what is in most of these inks. Most of the time, we just don't know exactly what materials these pens are made of and how they all react. But really, it's there are so many different factors that could go into these things that it's hard to pinpoint and broadly categorize any one thing to say, you know, avoid this. Because in truth, we just don't see that many problems. Not to say that you couldn't, but we just don't know enough to be able to say what you should or shouldn't avoid. You know, with, with when you're talking about generally acceptable fountain pen inks and generally accepted pen materials. Um, at this point, they've been around for 150 years. It's pretty well understood what's going to play well together and what's not. Not to say that everybody's going to be happy with how everything reacts with each other, but, you know, it's not like we're putting glow stick material in pens these days. So I would say use whatever you use with caution, stick to the stuff that you feel safe with, and your mileage will vary. But there, there you go. That's what I got. There we go. Okay. All right. Now, Drew. There's a lightweight question here. This is, a, yeah, this is an easy one compared to the last one. All right. So Lucy asks, hey, Drew, specifically asked for you, Drew. Um, Hello, Lucy. I, I got a question for the Pencast. From the Lamy fountain pen models, excluding the Lamy 2000, which one has the best ceiling cap? They're all fine. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've used... Here's the thing, Lucy. Every time I ink up a Lamy, be it the 2000 or any other Lamy, I kind of like already have it predestined to be a workhorse pen. I gravitate toward them not because I'm like, ooh, you know what? I miss I miss the feel of the All Star or like I mean, I want to use a Safari. That's such a fun experience. I mean, they're 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 fine, but they're just they're just reliable. I, you know, they're good for on the go, wide range of colors. If I ever want to match something to something, so. Um, whenever I use it, I use it um, because I know I'm going to be writing a lot with it. So they've all got a lot of use. It's been pretty rare that I've kind of casually been using one and left it alone for a while. So I can't say that I have a ton of expertise in using an, all of the Lamy pens and leaving them alone long enough to know what really is great and what really isn't. So I use a lot of Safaris, a lot of All-Stars, and obviously my 2000. But generally, they all do just fine over the weekend, but that's really however long I leave them. Uh, I spoke with a few others, and the consensus was around here that the studio might have a slight edge over the Safari and the All-Star because it just caps so, so tightly onto the uh, where the grip section meets the um, uh, barrel. But really, none of them have been super problematic. Eventually they're not they are going to dry out they're not in the same realm as platinum or in your twisby or anything with you know a really nice inner cap or a spring-loaded inner inner cap so they're not quite in that realm but i've never had any that have been problematic uh personally um so i will say that one thing i do think it has going for it is the fact that there are not a lot of exposed fin feeds uh, feed fins, feed fins on the Lamy pens. You only have that small little front section um, poking out that has no fins on it. So other than that, all of the fins are located 
in the grip section itself. So there's not a lot exposed anyway to dry out. That doesn't mean it won't ever dry out, but it means there's less that um, would get potentially exposed to an air truder. Brian, I have a gold broad nib on this all-star. How the heck did that happen? Mm. What's the story behind that? I that's, a way to, that's a way to do it. I just pulled this at random. What the heck? Anyway. That's a special, um, that's a special color, too. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's um, oh, this, this is the pink. Yeah, the vibrant pink all-star. Yeah. Someone oh, that's a vibrant pink. Okay. I, I think so, yeah. A... Yeah. Um, <laughs> that did not come anyway. with a gold nib. I can tell you that No, much. <laughs> no, it certainly does not. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, my, uh, that's my overall thought. Yeah. Nothing revelatory. I, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, you interpreted the question the way that I did, which is like, how well does it seal the, the ink around the nib? Not like, how well does the cap seat on the pen? That was another way I like secondarily interpreted it you know what i mean because you know there are some pens like i think of like the lamy ion right like it's it seals okay but the cap feels like it's you know the cap like sits over top of the body and it feels like Mm -hmm. it has a little more wiggle room than something Mm -hmm. like a studio where it goes on and you're like this thing is locked on you know um and i think like generally speaking the the all-star in the safari as well because i think that's part of the reason they have that little ring center band thing on it is so that it that sort of fills the void on the cap i think yeah that actually is part of what how that serves is so that it keeps the cap firmly in place i'm not i don't know that it's actually sealing the ink in there with that but it's not it doesn't hurt i think i think that i think that's where it actually if you if, if i place my finger over it i think that's where it actually is sealing that may be that may feel a pop right there in the middle but if you look at the end and i was looking for a lami i actually don't have a lami pen right with me i have like 100 pens on me but i don't have one of those i think i have them all at my other desk but um if you look at the end of the grip mm-hmm. and how it kind of flares out a little bit that's mm-hmm. where it actually clicks so if you go if you, if you look inside the cap that's actually what's holding the cap onto the pen is up there oh. right up by the nib and I think if you look inside the pen, you can see this a little more clearly on the Vista because it's clear. But I think there's actually like a cap insert, like it's sealing up around the nib right there. Yeah. That's and mainly the, uh, where it's sealing it. So like, this, yes, the grip of the pen is getting sealed a little bit with that little plastic like ring there, but I don't think that's what's actually doing most of the sealing. You're probably I think right it's actually the, happening way up there at the nib. The studio has a similar little... Uh, lip yep. to it because yeah. if you if you look at the uh, the studio actually snaps to post as well and if you look at the back of the studio you'll see another very very small little flare out which matches the same flare at the end of the mm-hmm. grip section so that's where that cap is attaching yep so i would mm-hmm. be willing to bet lami employs the same technology with this using Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised just given their manufacturing that mm-hmm. the diameter on this little flare is probably the same as the uh, one on the studio, or similar to it. What, you know, yeah. whether the whether those two are identical or not isn't really what matters. It matters it doesn't mate up well with what's going on in the cap. But that but that's why they're there. Yeah, and if you think about it, like if you have a snap cap that has the you know essentially you have like a tension or pressure bar of some kind that's snapping over top of something else that's a slightly larger diameter than where it needs to seat. Well, if you have all that right at the, essentially the center band of the cap, like way down there, you essentially have to make your cap a little bit thicker to accommodate for that. 
you know, so it would, it would, it would be fatter. Like there would be a bigger difference on the cap from the diameter of the body. But when you put it up there near the grip and you taper the grip, you can fit all that kind of mechanical stuff that is holding the snap cap onto there. You can fit all that kind of up there inside the cap. You don't really see it. You don't really have to think about it. And it allows you to have kind of a sleeker design where the cap meets the body. So I think that's why they do it that way, you know, but pretty clever on Lummi's part, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah. it, for that reason, I think a lot of them end up being actually pretty similar on from one pen to another. I will say, I think the Ion does not seal quite as well as these other pens. Yeah, um, I would not put the Ion up there. Um, and I've used the CP1 a lot as well. I wouldn't put that mm-hmm. one up there as much. Um, yeah, the, CP, like the, pure... the CP1 and the All-Star are probably the Lamy's I've used the most if we're not counting the 2000. What about like the Pure, the Logo, all that? I would consider all those to be similar to the CP1. Yeah, I have. I don't have a lot of experience actually using those. I've never owned one, so I haven't used them a lot. I feel like to answer this question, I need to think about the ones that I've used a lot and have like accidentally left for a few days. On the, you know, I've tried them all. Okay. But the ones I've actually used a lot, you know, are the ones I've yeah. talked about. I think it's like, it's like pretty much the workhorse Lamy pens that you get talked about more. The more obscure ones, they go more for an element of kind of design aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Think about like the Dialogue 3, right? Right. That's not built that, for sealing. That's a whole different setup. It's cool. Very cool. But that one probably seals less ideally than all of them because there's just so much going on in there. Yeah. But uh, in the Emporium as well, that's another one that not a lot of people talk about, think about. That one's got a oh, yeah. thre- that one's got a threaded cap, which is the only Lamy I can think with a threaded cap. Yeah, I always forget about the that, Emporium. And that one seals really well. Um, I have not used it a ton, but it, from my memory, it, it seals For a second, well. I thought you said it sells really well. I was like, no, no Brian. No, it <laughs> seals. Seals okay. really well. That that's makes more about. sense. Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to buy that pen, you're not going to buy it because of the way the cap seals. You're going to buy no. it because you like a weird-looking grip, which that cool. pen definitely has. Anyway. All right. There you go. Are you ready for a question from Mark? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready All for right. this one. Well, Mark asks us the interesting question that is uniquely suited for a man of your experience, Brian. Mm. When did you, Brian, get okay. rid of InkNouveau.com and why? I assume it was to simplify your identity as the Goulet Pen Company. Uh, yeah. So for those of you that have, you know, followed us more recently, you'll be like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, your Goulet Pens, that's all you've ever been. No, that's not the case. Well, yeah, our store has always been Goulet Pens. That's, that's been the case. Um, but way but you, you lived a, you lived a, like a, a dual identity at the beginning. I <laughs> sort of. A double, a double life. <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, I didn't really live a double life. So uh, long story short, okay, this is uh, to, to quickly answer the question, it was probably like 2013 or so that we ditched inknouveau.com. It wasn't technically inknouveau.com. It was the Ink Nouveau was the YouTube channel and we had a blog that was a blog spot blog with Ink Nouveau. And then we abandoned that and turned it into blog.gullypens.com. Anyway, I was co-branding my efforts if you will so we always had the retail store which is the the goulaypens.com and we were the goulay pen company and i'm brian goulay and then i was creating content written content on our blog youtube videos under ink nouveau and my thought process in 2009 when i started doing this was well i don't want to just be like somebody who seems to be schlepping products 
while I'm trying to review them. So I'll create, you know, a separate brand. That way I can kind of like maintain a different, I don't know. A identi- double life. Identity from the guy who's just trying to sell stuff. That way I can review things. But then I was like, well, I'm not trying to hide the fact that I'm a retailer either. So I sort of like had this half-baked thought approach towards, well, I want to try to keep it separate, but at the same time, I'm definitely wanting to be transparent both on our website and on our YouTube channel and the blog and everything. So like on all the Ink Nouveau stuff, I would always talk about how I was Brian Goulet and it's gouletpins.com and I'm a retailer and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to review this and I wanted to be honest and clear, but I'm also like doing it for my website and I'm a retailer and that's what I do. And then on the retail side, I was like, okay, yes, we also have this blog, it's Ink Nouveau, but you know, there I'm, I'm reviewing things and all that, but you know, and essentially I was, I was trying to be transparent in both places. And what ended up happening is it was just, I was just doing, I was just being myself in both places and saying it under two different names. And I was like, well, this is, this is really kind of pointless. (laughs) And everybody was like, how do you spell Ink Nouveau again? And it was just like, Goulet is already hard enough to spell. And so mm-hmm. then people were like, Ink Nouveau, and they would have put an X on the end and couldn't find it anyway. And they're like, oh, you're just that fountain pen guy. you know. And Goulet ended up being the way more distinctive name that people kind of you know, remembered. And, I, and it was just after years of co-branding both of them on our videos, and you can look at our old videos. We haven't changed, you know, we still, it's like in the lower thirds. And I always say Ink Nouveau. But we took everything that was Ink Nouveau and just redirected it to our Goulet Pens URL. And it's me. It's still the same guy. I didn't really change anything other than what the URL was. And no one cared anyway. So I uh, just gave all that up. And now most people don't even know that it was ever a thing. But you do now because you asked. And now more people know. Let me ask Um, you a question, Brian. Yeah. Formerly of InkNouveau.com. Was there ever a time during during that time where you were living that that crazy double life. Um, <laughs> double was there, life. Was there ever a time where you thought that maybe one wouldn't work out so you would just focus on the other? Uh, no, because they were no. always like, okay. they were meant to support each other. Like, yeah. It's not like so, so was, you don't think that if you if the business didn't work out, would you still have done the blogging YouTube thing about fountain pens, or would you be like, no, I'm doing a woodworking blog now? No, I wouldn't have done it because I had a mortgage and a baby, and I was trying to make the business work. <laughs> like, and that was ultimately what it was. Is like that's true. I'm not just like bored and hedging my bets against these. I need to make some money. Things like I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> like on on InkNouveau.com, it was 100% self-sponsored. So it was yeah. all of my own pens, all of my own stuff. You know, it's not like I was selling ads on it or taking, you know, money or products from other people or anything like that. Like if, if, if it had been like that, then yeah, I would have completely branded it separately. Or if it was like a whole different category of thing, if it was like, you know, whatever, I want to make a Rubik's Cube video thing channel. I wouldn't call it Goulet Pens. I would call it Goulet Cubes or whatever. Goobics Cubes. Goobics, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, like if I was doing something that didn't make any sense to be affiliated, I would just do that completely separate and then keep them completely separate. I'm not try and hide the fact, but I would just make it its own thing. But like com from the very beginning was always meant to 100% support gulepens.com and uh, you know i making content takes a really long time and if you're going to do that self-sponsored it doesn't you know 
if they were if one was not going to work the other one was going down with it basically speaking you know of I mean? which thank you for enjoying this pencast please go to gouletpens.com and buy our things <laughs> there you go i mean that's why we don't have that's why we don't have like ad spots in these things we don't even monetize our youtube videos we did for a little bit at one point and then we took it all off because i was like i hate ads forget it oh um, maybe you don't you, you you know how many times i've mentioned bojangles and waffle house who do you think is getting putting me up to that and i'm not mentioning well, those by myself i have are you getting paid for that are you taking i'm, I'm getting i'm getting i'm getting uh <laughs> swag i'm getting you know you i have a kickbacks? i have a you, yeah i have who, a waffle house beach towel at home i have a a bojangles oh, you know um li, a lidless cap you know you know oh. with, so, so that my hair my luscious mane oh, can yes that's fly what you, free. that's what you need that's what you need <laughs> with all that outdoors that you love being in. oh yeah you know burn that bald spot right in that's right what you, needed, what you needed some pants some just pants some, just pants I'll, and shirts with crazy patterns i'll have on. to i'll have to redo my sponsorship uh <laughs> you know contract see if i can get some bojangles pants that's right i need to be sponsored by like dewalt or milwaukee or something like somebody that makes you know <laughs> reciprocating saws yes and chainsaws oh mercy me no i mean hey look more power to you if you've got like multiple brands and all that kind of stuff but i mean from there basically from day one when we started doing this it was all in all efforts towards gulay pens making it work i just had a slight misstep one of a zillion missteps in the early days especially and uh you know we corrected it and no one cared and it didn't hold us back from the beginning if i'd if I could go back now and tell myself to do things differently, that would be like the 87th thing down on the list <laughs> because I screwed up so many other things ahead of that, that, yeah, that would make the list, but I would, you know, it wouldn't be the first thing I would go back and tell myself to fix at that time, mm. but it all worked out. Oh, just part of the, part of this history. Um, all right. Now I got a question from you, Drew, from cookie conveyor seven. Uh, says, can you extend the shelf life of your ink by dot, 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 freezing it? I got an ink recently. It was fine after, and then it's cut off. So Yeah, Instagram cuts things off. Um, yeah, it must probably be more at, stories, it was, but... Probably after freezing, because that does happen. We, we ship yeah. all over the world, and we ship to Canada in the winter. So mm-hmm. that's the thing. Ink freezes, for sure. Even in the northern mm-hmm. United States, happens all the time. I've spoken to plenty of people from you know Minnesota, wherever... It just happens. Stuff shows up frozen. Um, ink uh, generally makes it okay, too, frozen, as long as mm-hmm. the ink stays still within the box. Because obviously we pack our stuff super securely here. But if the ink box itself that it comes packaged in has some wiggle room in it, which Diamine used to in their old bottles. The they would, yeah. Yeah, they wiggled around a little bit in the old black ones. Mm-hmm. Um and we saw some breakages there, but they've redone their box. Really, it doesn't happen hardly at all anymore. So as yeah. long as it's staying still, the ink's going to survive. Um, even mm-hmm. Noodlers has plenty of room to freeze and expand, and it's fine. And th- they fill those to the brim. Well, so, yeah. I was going to say, even those, really, you're talking more about, like, the cap and the bottle itself than yeah. about the ink. I mean, the ink itself, you know, irrespective of container, if you freeze it and then thaw it, does that fundamentally change anything about the ink? Not in our experience. Like, you know, uh, it's it's happened plenty of times. And it honestly, it might happen more than we know when it's on our way here. We get some inks from, you know, direct from Germany. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes direct from South Korea. Who knows where they go? They definitely don't beeline straight to Virginia. So we have no yeah. idea what's happening to them. But they all arrive uncompromised. Uh, but really, you're talking about minimizing the risk of contamination, you know, and just like, because really ink doesn't, 
just go bad on its own it'll either evaporate or get moldy that's mm-hmm. really the only things that'll happen to it to make it no longer viable for use in your fountain pens so by freezing it sure you it will neither evaporate nor grow mold in the freezer so sure that, that you're more or less freezing it in time you know making sure that nothing at all happens to the ink uh you can't use it for sure but you could also do the same thing if it's sealed well then you just put it away in a cabinet and it should be just fine um, mm. as long as it's not a leaky cap and um, or you can put it in a pl- plastic bag inside of a cabinet that there you go that that thing as long as it's sealed no air is getting in it's not being opened and shut then it's going to be fine anyway you don't have to use a freezer you certainly could if you wanted to but you could essentially achieve the same results by keeping it out of direct sunlight keeping it well sealed not opening it up uh, any amount of time that's uh, beyond necessary, utilizing like a sample vial to fill and refill if you're going to be doing it that way. Don't eject um, used ink into the bottle. Um, again, if you're if this is your only bottle, you can probably do that and get away with it because it's you know you're eventually going to exhaust it. But if you've got a lot of bottles and you just want to like try them here and there, hmm. best practices are to kind of keep it safe and minimize how often you're drawing from that well um also only dipping clean nibs glass nibs steel nibs whatever dipping clean 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 nibs in there so that Mm -hmm. you don't introduce anything into that bottle that is foreign so if you do all that you don't need a freezer but to answer the question sure it will nothing will happen to that ink reaction wise if it is frozen so uh I yeah. don't know how long an ink can stay frozen and still be viable. That That's something I haven't personally tested. But I can say that I've probably used formerly frozen ink at some point and never realized it, and it's been fine. And I know the ink arrives to customers formerly frozen, and it's been fine. Yeah. I think, I mean, more of the context of what we get asked about this is like, hey, I'm in Canada in the wintertime. Is my ink going to get to me safely if it freezes? It's more of like in a temporary state, like will it survive the freezing process? And that honestly is more about, you know, the bottle integrity and stuff like that. They just don't want the bottle to break and then lose the ink. Um, which again, that's it's not something we hear about all that much these days, but the potential is certainly there with certain colors and stuff like that. Um, I don't really know a lot of people that intentionally freeze their ink for the purposes of extending its shelf life. I don't know if that's necessary I, I, I'm willing to bet I'm, I'm more with Drew. That's like, I don't think it hurts anything. I really don't know if all ink properties will be maintained in a state of stasis while freezing and be perfectly fine. If you, yeah, we really have no idea. Yeah. Cause there's different chemicals and different inks and, some and like we have said many, many times, we have no idea what's in there. So no because idea. we have no idea what's in there yeah. apart from dye and water, uh, we can't speak to you know whether or not every yeah. component in there will not react in any way to being frozen because but it, who the heck knows? Yeah, I think the short answer is it's not really necessary. I don't really know anybody who does it or is like a standard practice. So, you know, I mean, you, I suppose you can if you want, but you don't really have to. Um, I'm trying to remember because I, I was, I was think I know I talked with Nathan about this. I legitimately can't remember whether he was talking about freezing ink or refrigerating it i thought it was freezing but then as you were talking i was like hmm maybe it was actually refrigerating it now that i think about it 
But either way, theoretically, if you keep something colder, it should extend its life. That's the whole like point of a refrigerator is that you keep something colder and it makes it last a bit longer. Theoretically, you would think that would last. I know people that like keep batteries and stuff like that in their refrigerator. I don't know. That sounds like a I, Mythbuster type thing. I don't know I if think, that actually I think that's a does myth. It. Yeah, so like I feel like we're in that territory here where it's like, well, logic would say if your milk lasts longer in the refrigerator, so would your ink, so would your batteries, so would your whatever. And it's like, maybe, maybe not. But either way, it doesn't really seem necessary because ink is made to last for like years and years and years just sitting. Keep it in a cool, dry place. If anything, refrigerating or freezing it where it could potentially help is just... It's a less moist environment in those places because the cooling action, it takes moisture out of the air. So I guess you could, but if your bottle's sealed properly, that shouldn't actually matter very much either way. So, and theoretically, if your cap's not sealed properly and it's in a very dry environment, the ink could actually evaporate out of the bottle, which would make it worse. So I don't know. (laughs) Falls into like question number one that we had, which is like, there's a million different factors and we don't know enough to know anything. So do what you want, but why take up room in your fridge or freezer if you don't have to is kind of where I'm at. There you go. All right. Uh, Finishing things off this week with a question from Larry, and he Mm. asks, are there feeds that work better with some inks than others, and how can I tell the difference between feeds? (laughs) Thank you. I swear we have a theme this week that's like things we can't actually answer. Not because we don't know or don't care, but it's just they're unanswerable questions. Mm. Um, So do some pens, nibs, feeds, whatever, are they better with some inks than others? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Can I tell you why and how to recognize them? Not really at all in almost sometimes, any way. Sometimes. Sometimes, barely. Yeah, it's really but, just like when if, you, if one feed has like a very obviously gigantic ink channel, then okay, I can say that a lot of ink will come down this road for you. But maybe. Apart, no. it, it depends. It depends. No, there's, no. there's a lot of factors. What kind of nib is on there? If it's a small, skinny, little thin slit nib with an extra fine tip on it wouldn't a bigger ink channel always deliver more ink it's gonna have ink available but it doesn't mean that it's coming all the way down that nib what if the the air hole the filler hole is really small and it doesn't let so much air okay okay then the the ink channel doesn't necessarily mean you know what i mean like there's so many factors but oh my god can you just look at a feed and say this is better for that ink no i'm sure some people can like somebody whoever designed these probably could can you look that's like saying (laughs) can you look at a car look at the tires on a car and say no that's a bad example i'm sure somebody uh, someone who designs speeds on how it's being used can you look at the tires on a car and say that car is going to drive better you know if you have slicks on a race car and you're like yeah that's gonna go better and then somebody right, well, goes and takes just... it off road they're like this isn't better these are the worst tires you're like all right, well, well i thought you would have it on a racetrack i didn't only realize talking you were trying to take feeds. it off road you can't say universally let's whether it's for better the sake of the question you know everything about it they're only asking about feeds so let's not talk about variables like nibs and whether or not the tines are tight or anything but, like that 
but let's just talk work, about the feed. What does work better mean? What is the goal that you're trying okay, to all right, achieve? All right, all right let's say, let's say, like, let's say I have a really gnarly ink. It's got shimmer. It's got sheen. How do I know if I'm just talking about feed, not nib? Okay, yeah. What what sort of feed would I need to look for? I mean, yeah. So if you have, if you are trying to put down a lot of ink, or if you have something that has a lot of particulate in it, it's a, it's a, you know, it's got something like a shimmer in it, or it's a high sheening ink. It's got extra stuff. It's just got more stuff in there happening, whatever high saturation, however you determine that it's a very bold ink, that kind of thing. Generally speaking, knowing nothing else about it, having a wetter feed would be helpful. But with your naked eye, can you tell that? No, you really can't tell whether one feed is going to be wetter than another, quite frankly. How do you look at that and tell? Because you look at something like a Noodler's feed, where it's just like one huge fat ink channel made for that flex nib versus a Lamy feed, which is like a friggin' spaceship in there. <laughs> it's got like two channels covered by this other little thing that you can like lift off of it if you pull it out of there. You're like, how do I even compare these two? I don't know what's going on just by looking at it. How does anybody know? I mean, you can assume, but really basically until you use it, you don't really know whether a pen is wetter or not. And then the, the nib is a factor in there. Your paper comes into effect. You know, it's like there's so many different elements to it. So you really just can't look at a feed and say, this one is going to be better for Iroshizuku or this one's going to be better for Noodlers or whatever. I, I, I think that if we if we wanted to make some assumptions, we probably could by saying, yes, if it looks like the ink channel is minuscule, it will probably, you know, under optimal conditions, you know, flow less than a giant, you know, bobsled canal of <laughs> noodlers ink, yeah. you know. Uh, but you, you might be able to tell the, the difference between the extremes. The fact is, if you're buying a fountain pen, you don't get to pull the feed and examine it before you buy yeah, it. So true. unless you have a bunch of pens at home, you've opened them all up, dis dissecting, trying to figure out which one you should put Organic Studios nitrogen in. You know, you're already going to know how they write anyway, and just mm. pick the one that writes the wettest if that is what you're trying to solve. So, yeah, yeah as much as I hate to say it depends because that's the job of the other guy, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it really, it really does. No, um, if you're just like to drop these questions in here and make it seem like I don't like to answer questions. <laughs> When in reality, it's just a lot more complicated than that. You can't just break it down in general, or you can generalize, but then you you're going to be generalize. wrong about a lot of the things. Oh, who's afraid of being wrong? I mean, I'm wrong a lot. But, um, but yeah. yeah, it really just depends on what you're trying to do, what your end goal is. But familiarize with yourself with a couple different styles of pens, a couple different brands, and then you'll build up you know, maybe five pens that have different characteristics, a Twisby, a Lamy, a Platinum, you know, just, just with those three, you know, find, get a Japanese nib and a German, you know, pen, you know, and you'll, you know, you know, you know, God, Drew. Anyway, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? You'll have different pens for different objectives. And then yeah. at that point, you've eliminated some variables because you just are familiar with your pen's habits. That's what, yeah. I'm that's, that's what I do. I just know my pens. So yeah. when, I ha when I have an ink that I'm also familiar with, it's habits, I can pair it. Yeah, what's difficult about this for, for most folks, like we only know the preferences and the experiences that we have when we write. But I mean, if you know other people that use fountain pens, especially if you get to know them really well, like if you're a significant other or you know a member of your family or, or whoever, you have a really good friend or something, you're both into pens, 
if you have a very different writing style, you will know that some of your preferences are wildly different than the other person. Like the pilot Falcon, the FA nib, right? Not the Falcon pen, but the Falcon nib, the FA nib. Drew and I both straight up struggle with that nib. Like it just, just with the way we write, the angle we hold it and all that just doesn't flow consistently. Rachel picks that thing up and she just makes it work. And I'm like doing everything I can. I'm like, what are you doing with this nib? Like, what am I doing wrong? I, it skips on me and all this kind of stuff. She but writes you know what I she's did like, do. She's like, it's the best nib. And I'm like, bah, why is it so different? Same pen, same everything. It's just two different people. A very different writing experience. So it varies. But I replaced the feed with a two-channel feed, and now it writes beautifully. It's my favorite pen. Oh, shut it. Like, we need that thrown into this mix here. <laughs> where where do you get this two-channel feed here, Drew? Because the uh, pilot doesn't make a two-channel feed for this thing. If you want to know where I got it, email... Um, no, I'm just kidding. Don't no. don't email us. Text um, Drew at eight oh four. No, <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the feed matters. The feed matters. It definitely does. If, if you, it definitely does matter. But can you just look at it and say, "I know this is going to perform better"? Almost never. Not no, but a lot of the vintage, Almost like never. really really wet, bouncy feeds, have like these massive double channel um, ink feeds and stuff like that. So yeah, but what's that better for? It depends on what you're trying to do. <laughs> Like, really, it depends on what you're trying to do with it. Oh, God. There's too many uh, factors. Really? All right. This is We're not going to go anywhere with this. This is the thing that we all love and hate about this whole fountain pen hobby lifestyle thing is that you can vary up the experience so much just by mixing the combinations of pens, ink, paper, all that kind of stuff. You can really dial in what feels so perfect for you because there are so many variables, but it also drives you absolutely crazy because you got to try all these different things and you got to test it out and you get ink samples and different nibs and you can't just look at one pen and say, from now on, I know exactly everything I need to buy because I know, I, I understand it. I've cracked the code. I know what I'm doing now because you'll use, you'll use the next ink and be like, why is this one feathering so much? I just, yeah. I, I thought this was so good. And then you use it and you're like, ah, ah, you know, but then you use another one. You're like, oh, I thought I hated this ink in this other pen, but I use in this one and it looks incredibly different and I love it. It's, it's the love hate thing. It's, it's what frustrates us, but also it's what keeps us such a dynamic hobby and what keeps us all interested so many years in who've been doing this for a long time. And you get to mix and match. Like even if you don't have that big of a pen and ink collection, you can mix and match all those things and get all kinds of different writing experiences based on how you mix it. So I don't know. I think it's pretty fun, but yeah, it does make it really hard to just like look at something objectively and predict how it's going to go. You pretty much just have to try it, which is why we sell ink samples of everything is so you yeah. can just friggin' try it and then, you know. <laughs> yes, indeed. Great questions. Woo. All right. We're going to move it on to the tip of the week, which Drew is going to lead point on this one. Okay. So this is a really simple one, everybody. And it has to do with shimmer ink and how to stop it from clogging your pens. Mm. And really... Get a double feed is what you got to do. Replace your feed with a double feed. Text Drew. Don't text Drew. I'm just kidding. Don't text Drew. (laughs) Um, So really, the thing about this is if you've ever owned a bottle 
of shimmering ink, you can see how fast the particulate in that ink settles to the bottom of the bottle, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's if you wanted to swab that, you know, make a nice little beautiful swab on your paper or your color ring or something like that you have to shake it dip it it, and then like oh no that one didn't look good let me try it again oh wait i need to shake it again you have to do that with your pen too because the same thing that happens in that bottle is happening in your converter or in your barrel if it is a um you know internal filling mechanism so really just like you have to shake your bottle you have to continue to move your pen around because otherwise that is going to continue to happen. You might, if you don't do that, you very well might get the first half of your ink completely exhausted and full of shimmer, and then the back half has nothing in it. And then you could also increase your chances of clogging your feed if all of that shimmer is front-loaded like that. So you really need to just keep that agitated. I like to do um, a spin like this because this it's not going to work you're going to have a bad time it's going to ink's going to go everywhere um this even uh but this i find as i'm writing if i'm writing with a shimmer ink which i rarely do because of this i'm lazy and i don't have the patience for it um this is a natural action that i can do as i'm writing right 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 and i can just kind of continue to rotate it's just kind of like a fiddly motion for me that doesn't take up a lot of my very very limited brain power so i like to employ the twist if you have something else that works for you great but you really do need to continuously agitate it just think of it as like a centrifuge or something like that it just needs to always be moving so um, if you do that you're going to have a more balanced level of shimmer particles on your paper and you can reduce clogging while you're at it so that's my very, very, very simple tip of the week. Mm-hmm. Or you could do like I do, fill the pen, use it a couple of times, let it dry oh out, and oh then God. all the particulate stays in the pen, and you have to clean it out with a with a with a pen cleaning toothbrush. Oh, oh, the Droulet toothbrush. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Which doesn't, which doesn't exist. Endorsement. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yes, Brian Goulet fully endorsing the Droulet Pen Company <laughs> toothbrush. Yeah. Oh, you you, you would you would be one of my top customers, Brian. I'm telling you. Would I though? Uh, yeah, with would all I? your dirty pens. Yeah, it's assuming I cleaned them though. <laughs> That's true. Hmm. I tell you, one of the other sticker ideas, Brian. I could be an influencer, maybe not a customer. How That's true. That? That's true. One of the there other stickers go. that I gotta do one day is the uh, one where you said I'll clean my pens when I'm dead, and I just <laughs> joked like some some ghost Brian coming back because he has unfinished business and he some cannot th- leave this plane of existence. Have like so, a, a zombie hand like out of the yeah, grave. Yeah, we have like to do like a, my pens. Yeah, we have to do a ghost Brian at some point. I love that so much. <laughs> clean my pens un- when I have I'm unfinished dead. business to do, it'll be cleaning my pens. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. really or, haunt, or, ha- or haunting me with non-committal pen cast answers. I really ham this up a lot. I'm not could, that bad about cleaning my pens, but I, you know, you're not I'm good not, about it. I'm not. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> you got me on that one. <laughs> I try not to make this seem so extreme. I'm not against cleaning my pens. I'm just busy. Oh, mercy. Okay. Um, We've got a pen spotlight for you all, and uh, that's what we're going to do now. All right, Drew. We've got some questions. We do. We have been uh, recommended to Mm -hmm. talk about. Recommended to talk about. It has been recommended that we talk about. The Platinum Procyon, Procyon of which, which we, we both we have, have matching pens. Look at us. Hey. Pen buddies. 
Yeah. I, I don't often think about this, Pen Brian. I will fess up right here. Why not? Why not, uh, Drew? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have anything personally against it. I just kind of forget it exists. Yeah. You know what? This It frustrates me because this pen is actually a pretty decent pen. And yeah. it just doesn't... People don't dog it. People just don't know about it or think about it, really. But it's got some cool things going on with it. Is it too expensive? No. It's not cheap. It's a next-level pen. You know, it's it's... It's up there with the like Lamy Studio, right? So it's in that same class. Hmm, that's probably why. But you I know mean, what there's... I you, you know what I think it's fighting against, Brian. I think that hmm. you look at it and you see the translucent grip section, and you okay. see this triangular platinum nib with the uh, platinum P logo on there, okay. and you think Profonte Preppy uh, um, Plaisir. Okay. And it's not the same nib. It's no, not. it's not. It's and not. I, and I think that it, I think that, that it's, a, might, it's a substantially nicer pen than even like a, it, a it is. It is. And I think that just looking at it, you get that immediate connection to those other nibs because hmm. you don't you don't see this style of nib on many other of the higher end platinums. You know, the uh, the smaller um, modern Machier Kanazawa leaf platinums have a triangular gold nib. Yeah. But you see this and it immediately takes your brain to those more value uh, value centric pens. So I Which think those that, are those are still really good pens though. It's they not like are, they pens. are, They're but great for like writing nibs. But for uh, $64, you don't want yeah. your brain gravitating down. You want your brain gravitating up. Up, yeah. Okay. So I will say that this this does write really nicely. But then, to your point, so do the other ones. Um, so, yeah. I, I so think why, that, like why something like the Studio, right? That pen, you're looking in like the $70, $80 range, right? Even why is that one not bringing you down to like, why would I get this? It's, the same, it's literally the same nib and feed as what's on a Safari. Well, the Safari and the Preppy are not in the same price point at all. True, true. But it's not like people are dogging the studio. You know what I think it is? I think, I think some of it might be the weight. It's a, it's, a, it's a lighter pen for the size. It is. Which, you know, especially in Japan, heavy pens are not really the way that they usually like to go. They... They actually view a lighter pen as being higher quality. And I think here, at least in the U.S., it's the opposite. Generally, the heavier mm-hmm. something is, the more people think of quality. The, so the posting that, makes it, a big difference. I think that's 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 not helping it, is you have a little bit of cognitive dissonance if you're used to associating heavy things. Like if you buy a piece of furniture from a Target or an Ikea and it, you know, feels like it's made of particle board you're like right. oh okay this thing's kind of flimsy whatever but if you buy something that's solid wood and you're like oh yeah this is heavy this is this is better quality that just tends to be what we translate heavier qual heavier means quality can you take in, this in reality feed you know a lighter pen is actually better for longer writing what's that can you take this feed out can you take the feed out i don't know Good question. No. Why don't you rip, rip that thing out of there drew and see oh my fingers i'm sure it will come out one way or another mm. um but i don't really know how to do that actually um yeah. the thing i will say this there's um there's a stealth feature of this pen that i'm not Ooh. sure many people are aware of what tell me so you know how most pens in order to fill them the filler hole is usually at the base of the feed where it meets the grip 
So yeah. you have to dip the entire nib into your ink, and then the ink is going to get onto your grip when you fill mm -hmm. it, not with the Procyon. What? Is that this little hole? This, there's this little hole that's like <gasps> halfway down the feed. That is yeah. actually your filler hole. I didn't So know that. you can fill from a bottle without having to dip all the way up to your grip. I don't think most people know that. Also, I didn't know that. Many pilot pens are like that. The Custom 74, A23, Heritage 92, those are all the same way. Major feature that I don't think most people are aware of that. It also means that as your ink bottle level gets lower, you can fill from it at a lower level than you would with other pens. There's all kinds of little bonuses you can get with that, but the not having to wipe the, the grip thing is a major plus in my opinion. That is a major Nobody plus. Nobody ever talks about that with this pen. So I think, you know, just giving it a little love. It's a really decent pen. I also, like you mentioned, the posts, because, you know, it seats, you know, not like super deep, but I mean, deep enough, like... Yeah, I like the way it posts, and it feels it really pretty, balanced when it posts. Pretty well, not quite halfway up its cap, you know, but it's it seats down there, and because the cap is so light, feels pretty balanced Speaking as you're writing with it. Speaking of the cap, Brian... And it, like, it, it posts, you don't have to, like cram it way down there for it to post like the post has a little bit of grab to it you know mm -hmm. because it's got like this insert in here that's uh that's plastic and then just the taper that you have back here with this aluminum and it's got kind of a matte finish to it so that little tapered kind of matte finish going into the insert on the back you like you just have to push it ever so slightly and then that thing is that thing is posted it's not going to go anywhere and it does have a slip and seal cap in here a spring-loaded inner cap I don't, you know don't? I don't think it's technic. I don't know if it's technically the slip and seal. Oh my god! I don't know if that's because that's Technic a, that's a specific patented thing. Okay, well, what, but it's what, the same what, principle. Like, how, it will, how, it will how would seal. you make that distinction? It's a platinum. It's got a spring loaded inner cap. How is that not slip and seal? I don't know. If, if they call it slip and seal, then it is. Okay. Either but way, there is check. a. Let me check actually, because it's been a little while since I've. There is a spring loaded inner cap in here no, that Brian's not ready to quite call slip and seal yet. Um, Maybe. Maybe. But but. <laughs> It is. But. It is the slip and seal. Officially, <laughs> okay. it is the slip and seal. Okay. When it, when is it, when is a spring-loaded inner cap on a platinum not a slip and seal though? Isn't it always? Uh the preppy. They don't call that a slip and seal? No. Why? It's a snap cap. So? Oh, so they don't they don't call it with the uh, So no. you, you that's just seal no slip. Pop yeah. and slip. It's just a pop and seal, snap, snap and, and seal, snap, snap and seal. That sounds like a Ziploc bag, doesn't it? <laughs> it totally does. <laughs> yes. All right. So keep your, keep your grilled cheese fresh with the platinum snap and seal. Yes. Oh my God. I love it. Okay. So <laughs> I heard but, Rachel laugh from the other room. She, heard, <laughs> she probably just heard me out of context. Like what the heck is he talking about? Oh man. So, um, but, but it's not a demonstrator. So you can't really see it happening, but it's definitely happening. Like yeah. you can, you can, uh, Oh, it's slipping and sealing. It's slipping and sealing. All up inside of there. <laughs> Go on. Keep, keep your sandwich fresh. Oh, man. Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, you know, I will say also, not to just be a negative Nancy, uh, oh, okay. it, could, it, could, it could do with better colors, Brian. You've got deep well, sea, which is beautiful. Okay. Uh, this turquoise blue is beautiful. But yeah. then you've got this persimmon orange, which is not orange at all. It's a coral. It's a citron, coral citron, citron, citron yellow. Okay, like, the yellow. Okay, yeah. You need a green. You need a red. Why are they skipping ahead to orange and yellow? Like, they skipped... Yeah, per, they yeah, don't I'm have a purple. You. Like, they, there are so many more colors. I'm with that, you. They could refresh. They could refresh the colors. Like, the, the, the... Or just do do the colors that the Plaisir has. The Plaisir has some nice colors. 
The Profante's got some nice colors. Profante, yeah. Like that those. emerald. Mm. Go with you some put an em- emerald, emerald in one of these? Yes, sir. I know. You could do some like you could do some like ombre stuff on here. You could do some yeah. stuff with some shimmer. You could have some fun with this. But there, you know, this, there's there's some potential here, and I and I feel a little is. sad that um, it's not getting a little bit more see, this is love like, from platinum. This is how it goes, though. Like if it's not received super super great for whatever reason, then they're not going to come out with new colors mm-hmm. because they'll be like, well, people aren't really loving the pen, and you know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. I would love some. I would love some feedback on this pen because I think this one. I almost put this one on the underrated pens video. I didn't because I was already doing the plazier, but I did mention this one in there, how it, it is also kind of an underrated pen. So I'm, I'm a bigger fan of it, but you know, I tell you, you, you just, you just upgraded this pen in my mind because of the filling thing. I didn't know that. And I love that about pens. I love that feature. I really, really do. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to convey, right? Because it's not something that's like has a sweet, you know, snap and seal I, knew, I, I was just about to, to say it. i was just about to say that's what platinum needs to do they need to come up with a snappy name for that thing okay what like that, the uh, what should that be drew the 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 face sucker it's um, right out of the right out of the front of the name it's sucking right right out of right the 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 uh mm. the, the, the the sniffer the ink sniffer the uh mm. the uh the 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 <laughs> the, I don't fun, know. the fun cooker <laughs> <laughs> here comes the fun cooker all right uh, hey hey okay let us know what, what what sort of fun name um <laughs> we we will can we put this i guarantee you we'll put the first one on the product pages of all of these uh, no i don't no i don't <laughs> you're guaranteeing that okay fair, oh, enough. God. fair enough but cool. anyway we would we would love to know if you have experience with the procyon what do you think about it why doesn't it get more love is there things that we're glossing over that you're like, no, actually, it's a hot pile of garbage. It seems great at first, but then whatever. The feed the feed doesn't keep up or something crazy. It needs a double feed. <laughs> I'm just going to keep bringing that up. Oh, no, God. I mean, my experience is it's, it's, it writes great. I don't know. I don't know what's up with it, but whatever. We've talked about it. We've given it a little love. The fate is now in your hands, YouTube audience. We need We need to come up with a name for the face sucker. It can't be called a face sucker. No, I know. I don't like that either. It's upsetting. I don't like saying it. It sounds like some kind of like alien. It does. Face hugger. Oh All my right. gosh. All right, let's move on to what's happening. All right, Drew, we've we've already jumped the shark on being helpful at this point. Let's talk about some nonsense now. All right, why not? Um, Brian, I've been continuing to play my Oculus Quest 2 VR gaming headset thing and i downloaded a new game this past weekend a new Mm -hmm. star wars game that i'm enjoying so i I had a star wars game called vader immortal with lightsabers and stuff and now i downloaded a new one called tales from the galaxy's edge which Mm. is the same galaxy's edge that they have at disney world so like it's like the the world that it's inspired by so you get to kind of see some of the same landmarks and stuff like that which nice. is interesting. You know that little place that have you been to the Galaxy's Edge at Disney World yet? I have not. Oh darn! Well, they have this little display thing with this little not display, but a little place where you can take your kids and pay way, way, way too much money to have them build a little remote control droid. Hmm. And in the game, you can collect these little mini droids and sell them to this junk dealer. And once you do that a few times, he says something like, "Oh, you know what I should do? I should take them all apart and then charge people a lot of money to put them together themselves." as like a reference to Disney World I was like ah that's 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 brilliant but nice. anyway I'm really enjoying it Brian like you it's it's all blasters no lightsabers this time so you've okay. got like 
blasters on your hips. You can kind of reach down and like clip them and unclip them. And you've got them on your back. So like if you're if you're out of the ones on your hit on your hips, you can kind of just reach behind and there's a gun there. And um, to to give yourself health, you've got this little like medical pack on your wrist, and you literally take it off your wrist and go and then click it back and all your inventory is controlled with this little pouch so you undo the pouch and you can see all your inventory displayed and you boop you know take one out and clip it back it's just very i don't know modular like all on your body and stuff it's a very unique experience that i've been having a lot of fun with so wow that's been fun and did you make yourself sore like you did with the boxing game this sounds like a a lot of activity no, it's I haven't made myself sore yet. Um, I've been I've been safe. I you know you draw your boundaries. Make sure you don't okay. smack the TV or the child. Um, and then uh, I'm just imagining well. watching you as you're doing this, like in real. Oh, I'm life. sure I look super awesome. Yes, super cool. Just as cool as I feel like I am in the video game. Uh, so I did the terrarium thing that I talked about last week. Yeah, I. Um, had four ink bottles a platinum an aurora and a roshizuku and a sailor ink bottle and i went in my backyard and side yard as well gathered some moss um unlike a uh rolling stone and then got uh i told you i ordered some terrarium soil from josh's frogs mm-hmm. and then Let's see, what else did I use? I think that was pretty much it. And, and just, oh, charcoal. I got some activated charcoal from uh, my local florist. So started that at, at the bottom for like drainage and stuff. So charcoal, soil, moss. And then kind of arranged stuff with a, with, a, um, with a chopstick, just kind of moving it around because it was hard getting all up in the bottle with that little tiny opening. So I got them all in there. They look pretty. They're freaking cute. And uh, I think they'll probably all die within uh, three weeks. <laughs> oh no! But you know that's fine. I, you're they look really to, cool, though. They do, but you're supposed to add enough biodiversity to um, keep mold and mildew, you know, mm. mushrooms and things at bay. And I didn't do that. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that just the due to the fact that I scooped everything out of my backyard, maybe there's some little critters in there that might. <laughs> help out things but i'm i don't have high hopes it was more or less just like a little novelty if i ever did it seriously you have to add enough um critters in there to eat mold and such is but it, uh is it these feel like very small containers to me oh, to yeah. try to be doing this. tiny like, tiny oh no not not effective at all if you're actually doing a terrarium you're taking seriously you want a bigger vessel for you sure. want like a like an aquarium sized container no right? no 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 like um no no, no. I think your average average um, uh, terrarium is usually like a about. Fish bowl? No, no, Smart. no. Like oh, oh like like a like a like glass a goldfish bowl. bowl. Yeah, classic uh, goldfish. Like you yeah, see in like that, a like a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, okay. That'd probably be an average size. Yeah. Okay, so these seem pretty small. Like the amount of di- the amount of diversity you're trying to get into such a small space is uh, seems like you'd have to be pretty precise. Yeah, you need there, there are these things called springtails that are mm. little tiny, barely visible things that just um, kind of keep uh, keep the mold and mildew at bay. So that's okay. all I would need. I could probably still go out and get some if they have some at the pet store or something. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. It was fun. I think they look neat. Uh, it was definitely mm-hmm. an adventure. I don't think I'll be doing it again just because. Uh, just i would need to i need to get some like little tweezers or something like that because getting it in those ink bottles was 
kind of a kind of yeah, a it's chore. Like you're, it's like you're building a ship in a bottle, sort of. A yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you really wanted to make it look really cute, um, you know, have like you you want the moss to have like different levels and stuff. There's just not a whole lot you can do in such a small space. Yeah. But anyway, it was fun. I did the hmm. thing. My father-in-law. And, my father-in-law did like model ship building, and he's like working on a big like uh, N scale model train set, and he's got he's got like all these different types of like gravel and he's working on like a road with different and like all these materials to work on things at such a small scale like i'm envisioning you would need like like a loop glasses and like tweet like long nose tweezers that are bent at a certain angle to be able to work in it like that's that's kind of yeah. what i'm envisioning if you're going to do this. it thing. was and after i did it <laughs> there was mist and condensation everywhere so i had to like bend a cotton mm. swab at like two different points so it was hooked so i could get into the bottle and like wipe the interior right around the neck like it was it was fun but i'm, I'm good for a while wow. that was like a very i just you know just explored that rabbit hole but i'm like it's yeah i'm gonna... good I'm good. Yeah, you just kind of like glanced over the hole and you're like, yeah, I'm yeah. good. It was fun. I'll, I'll probably get the bug again, you know, in a year or two because I've done it before, but um, it's never okay. been an ongoing hobby. It's definitely an interest. I definitely subscribe to a few terrarium Instagram channels, but uh, I'll be good <laughs> watching for a while. Yeah, you can lurk. Um, you can lurk for a bit. I'll continue to lurk. Yes, sir. Nice. Um, this weekend, I will be attending the Baltimore fountain pen show brian Hello. i haven't i've have never been to the baltimore pen show before this will be a new adventure for me i've never been either yeah yeah so i think it's only about two and a half hours away from here so it shouldn't yeah, be maybe too, three hours. too bad at all yeah two and a half to five hours depending on traffic yes depending on 95 because we gotta drive through dc to get there from where yep. we are do you have to is there a way around it uh i mean yes the bolt way goes around to, it to get to baltimore I'll to, but I'll, I'll have to check there there really is no around dc like, <sighs> to get from virginia to anywhere north pretty much unless you drive through west virginia you're driving through dc <laughs> metro area yeah it's a big area it's a big area and there yeah. is no way to get through it without hitting traffic mm. like dc and la have like the worst traffic in the country jeez yeah so yeah well well wish me luck i will be doing that thing um <laughs> so uh yeah looking forward to that yeah Should that's about it if you yep. happen to be there i won't be there unfortunately but you can yell random pen casts inside you know words in drew's general direction make sure I, I also i also answer to most obscenities ask my wife <laughs> there you go <laughs> Drew's very, Drew's very jumpy. He'll respond to most things. <laughs> Anything that rhymes with ooh, people will be like, oh, that's true, huh? You know, I'm always... Oh, gosh, that's true. Always, yeah. But but wow. of course, if you if I actually need to pay attention to something, I cannot even hear it, so it's... No, no. Yeah, you know. That's it nice. for me. What's up? What's up with you? What's in your world? Okay. Yeah, in my world, uh, Rachel and I just went out of town. We went up to see her family. They live in the D.C. area. Uh, so that was fun. So I was all up, I was all up in some of that traffic this weekend. Mm. Um, I didn't have to drive through DC though. They live on the southern side of it, so less traffic. Still traffic though. Um, so that was kind of cool. I, uh, you know, got into some outdoor adventures up there because I just of course myself. And it was did you do the nice. Did you do the thing? Degrees. Did you do the thing you do where you bring a bunch of power tools and you're like, hey, who needs something? Who needs a stump removed? No. So I intentionally didn't do that. Oh, this was, you this didn't do a, your thing. This was a quick trip for us. I didn't do that, but then I was up there and I was like, the weather was so nice. I was like, 
we got to do something. I was, you know, because they mentioned something to me because I had gone up there around this time last year to help uh, her sister with a, a project up there. I'm trying to remember what it was, um, but it was kind of an involved thing. I think I took, oh yeah, I like took down a bunch of trees. I did exactly what you're talking about. I brought up all kinds of tools and stuff. I didn't do that this time, but I was like, you know, last year y'all mentioned they have like a, their trash cans and they just had it like sitting on like some mulch next to their house. And they had some like bricks that they'd found in various places in their yard and they had this other little brick paper thing. So they basically had bricks, but they needed them like put like in a little paper space underneath their trash cans. And they've been talking about it for like a year. And I was like, it's so nice out here. I was like, could we just like knock this out today? <laughs> so I was just like, I was in like just my regular shorts and you know, not working boots or shoes or anything, but I was like, I just want to get some stuff done. So I got all dirty and everything and it was great. And we did it and it looks really awesome. So, um, so did you, did you dig down and then fill the bricks oh yeah. e- even with, oh yeah. we did, did you do whole, sand, yeah. sand first? Yep. No, we did the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. We did it right. I mean, so, it was, okay. We could have done it like more whatever. So you dig, yeah. do sand and then the pavers yeah. and then more you sand. Dig, And it was right next to the house. So we had to slope it a little bit so that the water would shed away. You know, and then we had to pack it down and then we had to like set all the bricks in. So we had to like smash them down in place, get them all level and everything. Yeah, we had sand underneath and all that kind of stuff. And then we didn't like fill the sand in between the bricks because we didn't, I mean, we didn't run to go get any materials. We literally just, this was a zero cost project because they already had the materials. I, I'm, so, I'm asking these questions because that's a project I've been wanting to do since we bought the house. Because oh, it's, well. it's just mud under the trash can. Oh. It makes Drew. me very upset. I know, Drew, I know. You I know. You and I got to talk, my man. <laughs> we can make this happen. I mean, literally, we did this in like maybe three hours total. Yeah, I need to buy. I need to buy a. Um, I don't. I don't have a uh, flat shovel. I just have a spade. So I know that yeah. um, to 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 level. I need a. Uh, it will help. It will help. Flat, I don't know. You don't have to have it, but it helps. So I don't know. Um, you and I are going to talk, Drew. I think I can <laughs> okay. help. I think I can help you with this. I'm sure you. Seeing could. as how I literally just did this two days ago um yeah totally gonna do it though um yeah so did that um i did uh, seed and straw my yard which was fun um got to spread hay everywhere and it was like super windy and stuff because we have all these storms this week so now i have hay all over other parts of my yard and there's like other spots very windy this week so i'm like cool 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 now i get to go put some hay back Anyway, so that's kind of fun, but I'm kind of like in between major projects around the house now that I got that thing all done. So I've just been like cleaning up all the old log piles that I temporarily put in random places in my property. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of <laughs> sick of looking at these now. And uh, so I've just been like a little bit in cleanup mode. Yeah. Um, but while I was uh, while I was up in uh, Northern Virginia, they have uh, the, the thing, the thing, they have a lot more traffic, taxes are higher, there's people everywhere, but... They have, a, they have better restaurants and like better like donut and cupcake like places and stuff like that. We've got some decent ones in Richmond, but there are, there are many food adventures to be had in the DC metro area that I will say. So I went to this place, it was called Texas Donuts and uh, I got to have my first cronut. Oh, this is your is donut a, story. Uh, this is my donut story, yeah. Um, so I got to have my first cronut, which is a donut made with croissant like pastry basically is that different is that different than a crawler yeah yeah oh yeah somehow i don't remember what a crawler is crawler is more like a danish like a like that kind of a thing no it's, so a, it's, a, the, it's a it's a donut croissant well this is like in the shape of a donut yeah like so it's it a crawler 
No, I know what a crawler. I've, I've had a crawler before. It's different somehow. Okay. Anyway, it's a cronut. It's you. a thing. It's a I've thing. I've just never had a cronut. So I had it. It was really good. Um, nice. And then I, I also had this thing called a, a kalash or a kalachi. I don't know how to say it, but it was basically a sausage. Like a not a super spicy sausage. It was like a hot dog, like a nicer hot dog kind of a thing type of sausage um, with cheese, cheddar cheese in it. And then sort of like a pig in a blanket it had this like sweet like bread basically around it so it was like a giant pig in a blanket but for grown-ups like real like real big size and it was amazing and i loved it and then uh, they also had this thing called a texas donut which was basically a donut that's like 10 inches in diameter it was this like massive donut and uh, my kids had a blast with that it tasted like a regular donut but it was just very large so yeah had some fun with uh donut treats you have a look okay. on your face. Are you looking something up now? Are you looking down no, between a cronut and a crawler? Yeah, that was the first thing that came up. I was like, cronut versus, and then crawler popped up. Okay. So, How yeah, they, um, they just, uh, yeah, I don't know. They're definitely different. Okay. Um, a, a cronut isn't, um, uh, like, twisted like a crawler is. It's just right, kind right. of, it's like layered like a biscuit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that looks delicious. Yeah, it's, it was real good. Oh, my God. There was nothing bad about anything that I ate there this weekend. <laughs> um, and then I also, you know, I, you know, I have like nature and animals and stuff uh, around here. So I saw a hawk in my yard, which is always cool. Like you see big birds and you like see them flying up, you know, in the sky and stuff like that. But I actually saw it like on the ground. I was like, wow, that thing is so cool. And then I noticed it was like eating something. Like it had something in its mouth. And it didn't look like an animal. It was kind of... I don't know. It looks. So I looked closer, and I got some binoculars here, so I kind of looked closer, and I was like, "It was a cronut." Look, well, I could tell it's like some kind of, some kind of pastry or like bread or something like that, and I was like, "It's weird." Like I didn't think that, I didn't think that hawks ate bread. Like that's kind of odd. And then I saw like I kind of flipped it over, and like there's like this dark stuff on the bread. I was like, "This looks like avocado or like I'm thinking like avocado toast or something." I'm like. Did they like snatch it off of like he my came from downtown porch? Richmond? Yeah, something like that. But then, you know what? I finally realized, Drew, it wasn't a hawk. It was actually a millennial falcon. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. How did you do that to me again? Yes. This is a lie. I didn't see any of this. I just wanted to troll Drew. <laughs> You got to credit Adrian. She told me that this morning and I was like, oh, oh yes. I will. I was I like, because she got me with it. And I, I was will like, have words oh, for her. I'm going to savor that for Drew. She knew she was, she, I, <laughs> she, this is not the first time Adrian has fed you something this offensive to then yes. attack me with. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> See, I, I just feel like. <laughs> I just feel so defeated it's when this wor- happens. It's worse I feel like, when I, it's worse when I like reel you in, you know. I, 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 oh God. Oh, you, it's like, it's like the, you know you know when your fever breaks you're like oh my god I'm I'm better now this is the opposite of that this is like this is like if it if it went in reverse and all of a sudden you're fine you're fine and then you're just yeah. ill like instantly sick and I I just I don't know what to do with myself now oh yeah. my god this is like those uh like we watch like those uh funniest home videos or whatever and you see that like they've got like a birthday cake or something and you. They they tell the, the kid that they've got to like smell it like really close. And uh-huh. you get really close, and yeah. You and they just shove their face. face. That's that's exactly how I feel. That's what I yeah. just did to you with words. Apt. 
apt. <laughs> you monster. Oh my gosh. Thank oh, you, Drew. Thanks God. for going on that journey with me. Oh, that hurts my soul <laughs> so bad. You know, um, sim- similar thing. One time we were at home and my wife claims to have seen a squirrel on the back porch with um, most of a bagel. Um, and okay. she tried to show me and then the squirrel was gone and she was like, no, Drew, seriously, there was a squirrel with a bagel. And I was like, no, there wasn't. Stop it. And she just, to this to this day, you know, it's a joke because I refuse to believe her that bagel <laughs> squirrel existed. When I'm, sure, I'm sure she, I'm sure that's, I'm sure it's true, but I, I, I still pretend that she didn't see it and so the mythical bagel squirrel um, is uh, exists only in her memories. Oh, what, what you got to do there is you got to say, I'm sure you thought you saw a squirrel. There oh, I do. I do. Like, <laughs> I do. It drives her nuts. It drives her nuts. Absolutely. I, I totally agree that you believe you saw a squirrel there with a bagel. I'm sure you thought you did, Shannon. Yeah. Oh, oh she hates it. She hates it. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it yeah. was a bagel squirrel. A bagel squirrel. Yep. Fun fact. One time having a meal with Drew and his wife, we fed a beaver spaghetti. That we did. I'm just gonna prop, leave prop, it. Prop, I'm just gonna. Prop, I'm not gonna give any context. I'm just probably gonna, shouldn't have done that. But I'm uh, just gonna. I'm just gonna leave that there with you. But uh, beavers not big fans of spaghetti. Surprisingly, not their thing. But no. there you go. But that, we have done that. We have that memory. Um, all right, we're gonna do a real quick uh, company update. Let's move on to that. All right, I don't have a lot to talk about here, but. I kind of already mentioned this, so don't really have much to mention at all. But, you know, levels in Virginia with the whole COVID thing going down. Yippee skippy. And uh, yeah, we're able to do more like maskless stuff in the building. So um, I think you can look forward to some videos coming that we can actually do together again. We're still planning it, but last week I kind of alluded to like, I think we can start doing it. But like, no, legitimately we could do that now. So um, we'll work that out. We'll figure it out. But uh, more to come, I guess. I don't know. We'll have to think like it's been such a long time now where it's like, all right, I guess we're just doing this pencast thing and we'll shoot videos alone. Now it's like, oh gosh, we have options now. Okay. Let's think about that. So um, we're going to try not to hop around to too many different things because I know we started off remote like yeah. this and then we went to, um, you know, in the building, but no, no, like together, but then we went together, but separated yeah. two different cameras. So we're going to try to make the next thing we do a permanent thing. So nope. we'll be doing this for maybe a couple more episodes, but then hopefully we will be in our forever home. Yeah. Yeah, we're a little, we're like, we don't want to jinx it. It's not, we don't want to be like, we're going to shoot everything together again. And then like, just like when you like make a big plan after it's been bad weather and then you forget your umbrella and it rains and you're like, dag on it. Yeah. So we're not going to jinx it, but anyway. So that never happens to me because I literally bring umbrellas everywhere. It's like a thing that I have. I, I get really upset when I don't have an umbrella. My my wife makes fun of me all the time because I'm always insistent on having umbrellas. It's not like the rain's going to melt me or anything, but I'm like, why wouldn't I just protect myself from the rain? There's like, I have every I capability to not get rained on. Why shouldn't I take it? Right? I don't know because you have to carry the umbrella with you, and that's kind of a pain. Yeah, but when you do it, when you when you are ready for the rain, it's just like a big old like screw you to the you know you're like I win, I have <laughs> defeated nature. That's this. I don't know. I enjoy it. Fair enough. I enjoy having that umbrella and like refusing to uh, have nature get the even best if, of me. Even if there's no rain in the forecast, you just bring an umbrella with you. Uh, I have one in my bag all the time. Get out of here. You have an umbrella oh, with you right now. I am. Absolutely. It's like beautiful sunny outside right now. 
Now it did rain last night. That I'll say. And we're supposed to get rain at like two o'clock in the morning. I'm ready, so. Brian. And I always keep one in my car too, in case I am. I do keep like, one in my car. I keep one in yeah. every car. I'm, I keep one with me. Sense. I keep one in my car. Have I'm, I'm rain ain't getting me, man. I keep one of my I keep one of my cars, and I keep one like in the garage by the door. You know, so also, like I have it. I have it accessible when I need it. But if I'm going somewhere, unless it's like overcast or actively raining, I'm like whatever. I'm also, you're not going to understand this because you have like you know a wool on your head um <laughs> but for me brian when 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 normal human beings start saying bye-bye to some of this stuff on your head rain goes through all of it and falls right onto your scalp it's like i don't have a lot of protection up here it it, it and then and then you have then you feel a droplet mm. on your scalp kind of just like migrating to whatever oh. angle and it's just like but it's still you still have some hair so you can't just like wipe it off so you just feel it kind of like creeping down the side it's awful oh that sounds bad so, so i will say it's yeah like you don't if you get rained on you don't feel it until you've been standing out of the rain for 30 minutes i'm sure no but i feel it for the next you know eight hours because my hair <laughs> does not dry yeah so yeah like, no it is it is it is more annoying it. yeah it is more annoying getting rained on my head at at 38 than it has been in previous yeah uh, life like stages I, i'll like get out of the shower spend like 30 seconds toweling off my head and then i'm telling off the rest of the body and then like water is like starts dripping <laughs> down out of my head again i'm like this is yeah. ridiculous uh but i can't blow dry it or anything because then i'll just be like <laughs> you please know? do oh my gosh oh, man i've I haven't blown my drying my hair in a long time. That would be amazing. Pretty ridiculous. I'll try it one day. It'll look I want to see it. Yeah. I want to see it. I got to put gel. I got to put like my super glue gel in it to just <laughs> like contain it. Because uh, that's why I gelled it today. It was like, it, no, was clean. Wanted... it was clean and everything, but it was just like, I was like, this hair is like just not wanting no, to cooperate. It was blow like dry to go Blow dry, put nothing directions. in it, except for maybe some hairspray. Just some, just, some mousse. Yeah, just you know poof it out and then psst, I'll t- I'll 80s style time. oh my gosh you just want put, me to have a you want me to have a mullet you want me to have I, like a patrick swayze uh mel gibson style kurt russell from kurt russell. cash there you go best hair ever there you go oh I dig amazing it. i dig it all right folks we're gonna wrap this up because we are definitely talking about nothing important right now we're gonna thank you for watching please leave us some feedback in the comments about how we're doing Give us some feedback on Procyon, other things. Ask us some questions. Um, go check out gulaypens.com and notinknubo.com, though it will redirect because we own both URLs. Um, but you can check out your fountain pen, ink, and paper needs. You can email us at pencast at gulaypens.com. We have been getting some emails recently, so y'all are using it. And my random fun fact is truly random today. Um, did you know that humans have jumped further than horses in the Olympics? So the Olympic world record for the longest human long jump is greater than the world record for the longest horse long jump. So Mike Powell set the record in 1991 by jumping 8.95 meters. That's like 12 miles or something. I don't know. But and the extra the horse extra dry set the record in 1900 by jumping 6.1 meters. So that's like a pretty substantial difference in jumping. Did you say that was 9.1 miles? Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know metric. Nine point eight point nine five <laughs> meters. I don't know what's that like. That's long. That's close to thirty feet, know. right? That's like it's, close to thirty feet. It's a long some, time. Some, some around there. That's really far. That but, is I impressive. Mean, I would not have expected us to right? be able to outleap an equestrian. I would. You know, I think horses just don't care. Like they don't know what's going on. I mean, 
It's all their mental game. If they cared, they like, could do it. If a horse was like conscious of this goal and training for it and stuff like that, I feel like they could jump further. But we're just like, hey, animal, you don't know what's going on. Hey, jump. <laughs> you know, and you're like, ah, I could jump further. And they're like, you got any carrots? Like, oh, I don't know. man. The there's going to be, be there's gonna be an Olympic horse jumper in the comments. Lighten you up, man. Do? Is Given that the record was in 1900, I'm betting that it's not a thing anymore. They don't have horse jumping in the Olympics, do they? There's a lot of random things in the Olympics. Yes, there is. I can't say that I have watched the Olympics ever. So, I don't know. Really? Not an Olympics watcher? I mean, I guess I did middle school when, like, Christy Yamaguchi and Brian Boitano were a thing. But, uh... Other than that, no. Brian, okay. did you hear that Jason Momoa is going to be the new villain in the next Fast and Furious movie? Really? Yes. I know of him. I have seen nothing that he's ever been in. Oh, shame. He's really awesome. I told Shannon he's, that. Uh, he's Aquaman. Aquaman, right? <clears throat> yeah, Aquaman. Okay. He was in Game of Thrones. He was uh, in actually a, a Conan movie as well. Uh, okay. I told Shannon okay. that. And she's like, oh my gosh, who watches those anymore? And I said, Brian and Rachel Goulet. 100%. And she was like, what? Do they really? I was like, yeah, they love it. It's like yeah. one of the few things they'll go to the theater for. She could not believe it. Yeah. Pretty much she's like, like why, that. Why that? That, and, that and Bond movies. I don't know. The The... Yeah, they're fun. I, the, I get the, it. The entertainment factor is very high. I get it. I'm not invested in any of the storyline, but I know it's going to be very entertaining. There you go. Well, you can enjoy it. He, he's, he's a good and one. The, and in Fast and Furious, the cars are <clears throat> are quite legit. Like most of the car, I mean, there's some obviously absolute ridiculousness that happens, but they, they're not just like shell like stunt cars. Like they like actually like performance tune and like hot rod out the cars that they use in fast and furious i've watched like youtube videos of the guy who does all that and he talks about all the stuff that they put in there and they're very expensive they destroy a lot of cars like the coolest one was one of the i can't remember number six i think it was but they had the scene um i derailed him i'm sorry i think they i'm trying to remember yeah we we're gonna end i brought him fast and furious i shouldn't have done that but there was oh I forget what it was. It was it's the scene where they're pulling the bank vault behind the two cars. It's ridiculous. Oh, oh I've seen that scene. You've seen that? It's an epic scene. I've seen that scene. I haven't so, seen anything, but I have seen yeah, that. I think scene. they said they destroyed something like three hundred cars when they shot that scene. Oh my because God. they they had a deal, like they shot it in Puerto Rico or something like it's supposed to take place in Brazil, but they actually shot it in Puerto Rico. And they had a deal with the government with all these like cars that were gonna be like scrapped or something like that so they just used them basically as extras to be destroyed in the movie and they got them for like a dollar a car or something like that so they just bought like truckloads of these cars and set them all up and just destroyed them for this were they driving no they they were like just parked cars on the side but they they had these two like police like dodge chargers that they were pulling the safe behind the safe was like swinging around smashing into everything yeah yeah yeah. so they they just put like lined up cars everywhere just to completely just add to the wasn't someone like on top of the safe or in the safe or something like that no no they were trying to steal what was in the safe and they 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 hooked the cars to the wall the back of the wall where the safe was yeah and pulled and the whole thing out the cars and pulled it out and then we're running away with it and as people were trying to chase them down they were like driving and smashing the safe into everybody and it was oh completely ridiculous and fantastic that's why i love that series anyway uh yeah that's it all right so uh thanks for joining us on this one everybody we're gonna be back next week so until then we hope you have a wonderful week thanks so much for watching and right on